Hello and welcome back to the What The Folk Sunland Preview Podcast. Sunland made sure their late, late comeback at crew did not go to waste and we beat Swindon Town 1-0 at the Stadium Light on Tuesday night to move into fourth position. Very, very nice to look at indeed. Next up at Sunland is a seriously out-of-form Rochdale and to discuss what we are likely to face this weekend is Dean from the Rochdale AFC Podcast. Dean, how are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I suppose so, mate. Um... Dell's form isn't really helping in lockdown, but yeah, other than that, I'm okay, thanks. The best thing about this was I have to pretend that like this is the first time we've spoke when we've not just had a half an hour conversation about clubs in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I think that's a, the one thing we can sort of look at is at least we're not Barry, at least we're not Oldham, at least we're not Stockport, but that's pretty much the only positive we can take at the moment. Yeah, I was going to say you seem a little bit out of form, but we'll I think we'll start straight from the top. Obviously, we're... We're speaking directly in the ma- aftermath of Sunderland's game against Swindon, your game against Hull. Um, much like ourselves, I think, and everyone in League One, it's Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Tonight, you lost again. Um, this time, it was against Hull. Hull, one of the better sides in the league, if you go on league position. They're a little bit out of form, but they're still a pretty good side on paper. But how was the game tonight for you? Yeah, it's, it's, it, was, it wasn't terrible, to be honest. Um, we've lost 2-0 against, like you say, one of the better sides in the league away from home. I think when they beat us 3-0 at home earlier in the season, they kind of showed how good they can be. And then tonight, we've we kind of kept in the game for a while, to be honest. Um, until the red card, there's a red card just after they scored the second goal. And until that, I think we were, we were pretty even. They just took two chances, but we never had a shot on goal. And I think that says a lot about our form at the minute that, We've not had a shot on goal, and yet all of us are talking afterwards saying, actually, that was an improved performance. <laughs> that kind of tells you the situation we're in at the moment. But it, it's one of those games where if it was in September, October, you'd say, well, that's actually quite a progressive, positive performance. We've seen a few sort of flashes there to, to suggest that things might improve, but we're at a point of the season now where it's points that matter more than performances, unfortunately, and they just don't look like they come in in any way, shape or form at the minute. I mean, sometimes I, I beat myself up being a Sunderland fan and I don't want to depress you more, but I kind of, all I've sometimes got to go on is stats and, and the feeling of a fan base that you can see online, which is not always, well, Twitter's not a great barometer for anything, pretty much. Um, and I was looking at recent form and you might be able to correct me here. You might be able to give me some positives or tell me if it's even worse than this, but you haven't scored in five. You've only scored one goal in seven, to be precise. And the worst that you've kind of touched on is that you've had one shot on target in the last three games. I don't want to depress you, but that's pretty frightening. Um, what's going wrong across the board? Um, pretty much everything, as those <laughs> sort of suggest. Um, we've had a lot of injuries, and I, I think it's it's not it's not an excuse as such because I'm as frustrated by the performances as I would be if 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 we didn't have any injuries. But we they are definitely having an effect. Um, We've got one fit striker. Uh, we haven't we haven't had a, a first choice left back since Bowler left in January, and even he wasn't great. Um, so we haven't really had a, a good enough left back all season. Uh, we've had injuries to Paul McShane, who you guys will remember. Obviously, he he's a massive player for us because he brings that experience. We've been missing him for so long. We've we've now got Matt Lund, who's our top scorer and a bit of a legend at the club. He's been missing for the last few weeks. Um, and I think Brian Barry Murphy has a very, very distinct way of playing. And after a while, um, the rest of the league have, have kind of wised up to it a little bit. They know when to press us, how to press us. And he does. He seems a little bit 
um, stuck in his ways and that he's not he's not ready to change it too quickly and that leaves us expecting to, going into games expecting to get beat um, and that's kind of what's happening now and it's it's a frustrating position because every every single person at the club really wanted BBM to succeed. He's really, really well liked. He's been at the club for a long time. He was a player um, with us at the end of his playing days. So I think he's been with us as a player and coach for like 12 years now. Uh, and everyone who speaks to him, we've had him on the on our podcast and he was brilliant with us. Um, and yet the, the, the performances and the results now are getting to a stage where nobody can really defend his position at the club anymore. And yet it looks like he's going to stay there for a while because of other factors in terms of the way that he's progressed players to be sold on. And it kind of feels like we're a club that that places more importance on developing and selling players than winning matches at the minute, which is just a horrible place to be in as a fan because you start to wonder, you know, what, what what's the point, really? Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine exactly with that. I mean, especially... I mean, there is a level of that that happens in the one that you do sometimes produce to go on. I think I was speaking to a crew fan last week and it's kind of... It's almost like their model, but crew are like 11th in the league and have always looked decent and have these players long enough to make it exciting to be a fan, I guess. Um, you touched on a player there, which I shivered a little bit. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's funny because every fan, Hull included, when he, he left us and almost every club that he's gone to seems to really like Paul McShane. But any Sunderland fan listening to this will say, Wow, he was probably one of the worst centre-offs we've ever had in terms of Premier League era anyway. I'm sure there's been worse since then. But um, Paul McShane is really experienced. He does bring an awful lot to teams, it seems, these days. He's well-liked at almost every club he's been at. Like, How important is Paul McShane to Rochdale's sort of defence and the experience he brings? Yeah, I wish I had the, the numbers for you, but uh, since he joined us, the amount of games that we've won that he's played in, it's astonishing. Um, I think... He's missed the vast majority through injuries, but I think I'd say more than 50% of our wins have come when he's been in the team, despite him only playing maybe one in five. And it's because it is such a young squad because the club plays so much um, importance on, on developing young players and trying to sell players for, for the sort of continuation of the club, I suppose. When we do get those experienced players, they, they add a lot and we don't have many of them. So, so when he's around, he really sort of galvanises the team and you can see that on the pitch. There was a game against Crew a few weeks ago when we were 3-0 down at half-time. He came on and we ended up drawing 3-3, which is incredible, isn't it, for a centre-back? Like, nobody would expect, you know, a centre-back to change a game like that. But it was just that experience, that know-how, sort of getting behind the rest of the team and driving them forwards. Because I don't think BBM is that sort of motivating character. Uh, so it seemed like McShane was sort of, you know, he put a bit of a rocket up him, as he say, Um and sort of drove them forward and had them more organised at the back. And when he when he's played, he, even last season, when he's played, we've looked better. Um, even tonight, even tonight against Hull, he's probably been one of our better players. Or we, we've, we've not really been in the game, but he just gives us so much more than some of the other young lads that we've had on loan that have come through. That that you can see that there's going to be a player in there eventually, but at the minute they're not there. And Shane's got that experience that can sort of see us through games, I suppose. You still got that kind of shaggy ginger hair going on because it's a little bit more cropped now, but yeah, he, st he still stands out. Yeah, <laughs> Southern fans listening to this will be thinking, Bloody hell, like what changed with that? Because the Paul McShane we remember was the one that would like headbutt a brick wall if, if it was there, but he didn't actually need to headbutt the brick wall and he'd leave spaces <laughs> in behind. 
Um, I'd recommend any any Rochdale fan if they want to see a different form of change, shall we say, watch the the highlights, or should I say lowlights, of something get beat 7-1 in the Premiership. I think he was responsible for five of the goals um, <laughs> against Everton. So nice to see he's changed, though. It's good to see that he's, he's doing a, a service and a job for someone. Because Talking of important players in the team, I can only watch Rochdale from the outside looking in and when you play us and quest highlights, which aren't always the greatest. But Ian Henderson is obviously a player that you'd earmark straight away whenever you came against Rochdale. You were like, that kid, well, I'm saying kid, he's 35, knows where the net is. He scored over 100 goals for Rochdale. There's a reason that Rochdale seemed to keep staying up, even though they haven't got much that you know outside of him. Um, I think it was 112 goals he scored for Rochdale. And then in the summer, I think due down to the COVID situation, if I'm completely honest, a few of your players got moved on and he went to Salford. He's got... 10 and 27 for Salford, so far from absolutely prolific in the league below. But is it too simple to say, as we touched on before, you haven't scored in five games? Is it too simple to say letting Henderson go is where your problems have come from? Um, I don't, yeah, I think actually I would say it probably is because I think when it, when he was moved on in the summer, there was a feeling that, all right, not, if we could have kept him, we would definitely would have. But there was also a feeling that maybe it was the right time in that. As a player, he's not he's not the same player that he was two or three years ago. He used to run games. He used to play wide left or sort of attacking midfield and he'd still score, but he would dictate the tempo. He would be involved in everything that we did, whereas the last um the last maybe two seasons he's been a goal poacher and a penalty taker and not much beyond that. And then Stephen Humphreys came in in the summer for, for quite a big fee by our standards and has actually looked okay at times. Uh, He's struggling for form at the minute, but when we had a spell of form where we were banging goals in, he was he was the centre of it, and he looks like the kind of player who can score all types of goals. So I'd be excited to see what he could do in a team that was performing better. And I would say even to an extent that if we'd had Humphreys instead of Henderson for the last couple of years, I would even maybe suggest we could have been higher up the table because I think he offers a little bit more as an all-round player and can still score goals, even if he's not in great form at the moment. Um on the on Henderson leaving, it was such a horrible situation because he, he's the second highest goal scorer in the club's history. Obviously, a, a, an absolute legend, not only for those goals, uh, for the amount of goals, but for the moments that he gave us scoring against Leeds in the FA Cup and scoring last-minute winners in promotion seasons. Uh, he, he'll go down as one of the best in the club's history, if not the best player that we've ever had. And the situation where he left, it, it kind of was down to COVID, but the club offered him a deal that would have been the high would have made him the highest paid player in the club's history. Um, it seemed that he kind of waited and waited to see if anything else came along. And then the COVID situation hit and Dale withdrew their offer. And then he came sort of, from what I can tell, he sort of came cap in hand asking for it back. Uh, didn't, didn't, wasn't offered it. And, and then it's really difficult uh, to go to see him go and sign for a club that, you know, is just down the road that, that, until about ten years ago, none of us had even heard of. To be frank, um, so yeah, it was it was such a disappointing moment that even even though, like I say, he maybe isn't the same player that he was four or five years ago. I think all of us would feel better if he was in the squad, uh, maybe alongside Humphreys. Them two up front, I think we'd have scored enough goals to not be in the position that we're in right now. Doesn't he? Didn't he tweet? when he left about the contract situation, well, he kind of aired the dirty laundry, which is not really what you want for a club legend. Yeah, exactly. He, it was uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, did everything. Yeah, he, he sort of put out this situation that 
the club then refuted um, his claims that he sort of sort of claimed that he'd been messed about a little bit by the club withdrawing their offer, but the offer was on the table for a very long time. Um, and in the end, he, I think he, I think he's definitely going to be in a better financial situation for signing for Salford. Let's put it that way. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I don't know Salford's accounts, but I think it's fair to say they've probably got a bit more than Rochdale. Yeah, um, I think every, I think everyone does, <laughs> even in League Two, to be honest. So. There seems to be a lot of players that can go to Salford that you don't expect to go there. And I was I was quite surprised he went, but I suppose in in one way, if he's looking for a certain contract for a certain amount and without like moving home, it makes sense from the outside looking in. But it's I suppose it's like Kevin Phillips moving to Middlesbrough for us. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I would say that that, that that's a little bit. It's not the derby, is it? Obviously for you guys, but it is a little bit of a rivalry. I don't think we've ever played Salford other than in the in the pizza trophy. So it's not even like, although they're, they're down the road and it's a and it's it's a local club, it's not a rivalry until we play them. But I think we might be doing next season one way or the other. So that'll be interesting. You mentioned about goals before. Now you talk about um, Matthew Lund, who obviously scored twice against us at the start of the season. As a midfielder, you know, I'm talking about lack of goals here and the problems and stuff like that. But in reality, I know that he's a midfielder that's got 11 goals this season. Um, he wasn't on the pitch tonight against Hull, so I kind of did a little bit more research into it, and it looks like he's going to be out for six weeks. So when we're talking about oh, how bad the goal scoring issues we haven't scored in five, our top scorer is out for six weeks. How worried are you that like that might continue for another weekend? If I'm honest, if I'm honest, I think we're. I, I don't think it matters at this point. I can't see us picking up. Um, I can't see us getting on a run where we pick up enough points to stay up. Uh, and and even if. Lundy was in the squad at the minute. I don't think he'd be. I don't think it would be enough um, to turn around the form that we're in. Um, it, it, it's devastating because he was playing so well and he, he's really well liked as well. He, it's his second spell with us. He was with us last time we won promotion. He was absolutely brilliant in that season. Ended up moving on to Burton and playing in the championship with them. And, and uh, when he came back, he'd had a lot of injury issues at Scunthorpe, and there was sort of a feeling that his best years might be behind him, but. He's been our player of the season this season. He's been fantastic. Um, so obviously to, to to lose him, especially when the, the form had already turned uh, pretty poor anyway, it was just a, a hammer blow, to be honest, um, especially when you add that into the several injuries we've got elsewhere. I don't even know who's going to play in the field this weekend because Sean has been sent off tonight. Ollie Rathbone was sent off at the weekend. Um, it's going to be Aaron Morley and a centre-half in there, I think, on, on Saturday. So it kind of shows you the situation that we're in. We're always going to have a small squad as well with the with the budget that we have. So, yeah, it, it's, it's we're at a stage now where we're playing probably League Two standard players to fill the squad out and desperately trying to find a way to to get some points. And we're not only playing, we played Hull tonight, we played you guys on Saturday, which those are games that even with a full-strength team, you don't expect to get anything. And then I think we've got Lincoln around the corner as well, who I know we're sort of struggling a little bit at the minute, but are still right at the top of the table, and Peterborough as well. So these are just games that feel like a bit of a write-off, to be honest, and it's getting to a stage now where even though we've only just dropped into the relegation zone for the first time tonight, it just doesn't seem like there's any way that we can sort of turn it around at this point, which is devastating, but at the same time, it's been a, it's been a long time coming, not just this season, but for years, to be honest, we've been sort of, keeping our heads above water just about in League One, but it, it feels like the trapdoor's finally opened on us now. Does it feel because of that run of games that you have? Because obviously looking at the table, a you, you couple of wins gets you out of it. Um, but 
based on the fixtures you have, do you feel like you'll be too far cut adrift by the time, you know, another month comes, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's how it feels now. I think before the whole game tonight, um, obviously this is obviously a, a run of five fixtures where we don't expect to get anything. So I think when we lost to Oxford about a month ago, we had a, a run of winnable games. We had Wimbledon, we had MK Dons, we had Northampton, we had Burton Albion. Um, and I think that would have been the time to make a change managerially. I think that would have been the time to say, even if it was a case of giving it to Paul McShane for the rest of the season and seeing, you know, if there was a di- it's just a different direction um, to go in. Whereas now it feels like we've missed the boat on that. We've not picked up anywhere near enough points from that run of games. Picked up a couple of draws against Plymouth and, and Northampton. Um, and now we've got a tough run of fixtures where you think, even if we made a change in, in, the, in the dugout, we're not going to get any points from these games anyway. So it kind of feels like, yeah, it kind of feels like the next few games are, are bound to be sort of the, the final nails in the coffin, which is crazy to say with so much time, so much time to go even after them. But it just it, it just doesn't look like there's any way that we can turn this around at the minute. Um, but it is what it is, I suppose. I suppose the one sort of positive would be that at least if we're going to get relegated, we have not had to go down to Spotland and watch it every week. So that's the kind of the stage that I'm at at the moment. There's a group of fans, it's funny, you've got a group of fans that are desperate to get back in to see the team and another group of fans in every division that are just like, it's fine, it's fine, no, I don't, I don't It's we don't need to go there at all, we just, they can have a nice time, it's all right. Um, you touched on the, how you just dropped into, obviously, the relegation zone and I think at the moment it's it's second bottom. Correct me if I'm wrong with this, but I think it's one win in 15, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Jesus. Um <laughs> It didn't That's not actually the worst start as well. The worst start is one one win in twenty in all competitions at home this season. Oh yeah. wow! Well, yeah, yeah. Oh so, yeah, we definitely don't want to be going back to Scotland anytime soon with that, that sort of that sort of record. I thought our home form was bad, Jesus. Um, <laughs> but it didn't seem that long ago that there was highlights on the TV of. Brian Barry Murphy's wonderful free-flowing Rochdale team. And it kind of came out of nowhere. I think it was like a 32-pass move and everyone was like, bloody hell, like this is... And I'm sure it was your media team that tweeted it and it became like... And it was like, it's actually quite cool to watch. Truth be told, it was like, oh, you know, there's a team there doing a, a League One Barcelona or they're attempting to play a League One Barcelona. But I remember when he came to the stadium last season, one of the last games I went to, wow, that's how long it's been. Um, and I remember it was just dead easy just to pick the team off by waiting for you to basically make a mistake by farting about with it at the back. So because of that being like his, I, or Rochdale's identity and definitely Brian Barry Murphy's style, how much has the pressure ramped up on him from the fans because of that? Oh, massively so. And I think I think had fans been in the ground now, I think it, it would have his time would have come to an end because I think it, the Burton Albion game last week would have been just such a toxic atmosphere at full time after that. Um, and it, it is kind of happened that sort of, that sort of style of play. It's not the kind of thing you expect to see at Rochdale. And there's people who've been going watching Dale for 30, 40 years who don't expect to see a team try and pass it out. So there's always going to be resistance at first. Um, and then you, you, you get those moments like that goal at South End, which you touched on there. And there was a, a game at Tranmere where we scored three goals that were all brilliant flowing passing moves and people started to sort of, come around to it a little bit but just as time has gone on you've it's been so obvious that these players aren't good enough to do that every week these are league one players for a reason 
Um, they can't. They're not going to pass around high pressing players for, who are who are a better standard than them. And, and, uh, clubs like Sunderland and Hull, and they're going to be able to pay players that are, are going to be able to, to to be intelligent enough to pick that off. Like you, like you said, the, it, there's been so many games where it has just been a case of the other team just waiting, just waiting, just waiting for us to make a mistake, and we'll still do it even when we're three 0 four 0 down. So after a while, it, it just becomes so frustrating. And when Barry when Barry Murphy first took over, it was March of the eighteen nineteen season. We were bottom of the league. And he turned Keith Hill's team at the time into this really difficult team to be. It was agricultural. It was there was a lot of diving. There was a lot of waving imaginary cars. There was a there was a lot of strength. Um, and as a fan at the time, you're like, all right, it's not great to watch, but it's going to keep us in the league, and it did. Uh, and now you're thinking, right, it's time to do that again. And each passing week, it's just the same thing. It's just the same passing out from the back. It's the same. It's so weak. It's so easy to pick us off, so easy to beat. And I think tonight we're saying, all of all of us as fans are talking to each other saying, oh, this is a better performance. We, we've sort of frustrated Hull at times. I can tell you now that there won't be a Hull player there who thinks they've been in a game. They've, they've, they've not got out of first game and beaten us 2-0. Uh, and, and this is against a fairly decent Dale performance compared to other games. So I think, yeah, as time's gone on, it's just become so frustrating to see him sort of, I don't want to say stuck in his ways because it, in what, in what, on one hand, it's admirable that he's sort of stuck to the philosophy. It's like this is the way that we're going to get out of this. But there comes a point for most supporters, not all supporters, but for most supporters, where it becomes points over principle, uh, and that's the, the stage we should be at now. But not for him, it seems. Because he's been there for that long as well, you would like to think that if he has a philosophy, that it starts bearing fruit. Yeah, and it has at times. It has like that that goal at Southend last season, the game at Tranmere, brilliant. Like things we'll remember forever. We played Newcastle and United in the cup last season, and in both games we were brilliant. We played exactly how we wanted to play. We at times we we made ourselves a little bit more difficult, especially in that second half against Newcastle uh, when we got the draw with them at Spotland. And you can just—it's so frustrating because you can see. You can not only see that the philosophy could work with slightly better players and with a bit more momentum, but you could also see that we could be a better team if he was a little bit more adaptable. And neither of those things have happened. We've kind of just sort of stuck in the middle, stuck to a system that isn't working, and now we're sort of finally getting our comeuppance, I suppose. It, it does. I mean, I can. we're talking almost a year ago now, but I, I do remember the game against Rochdale, and it felt like when you started passing it, it was a case of just pressure them, lads. Yeah. And there's a few teams that do that do that at this level and a lot of the time it just feels like if you push high because the quality of players that most players are at every club in this league or league one level they're going to make a mistake if you've got someone who can set the ball in the back of the net so I suppose in a way as much as no Sunderland fan really enjoyed that long ball football we were probably used to under Parky you do have to have an A and a B um, and I think sometimes you'll have a club that's stuck in the B, which may be the long ball, or stuck in the A, which is that we're going to pass it out from the back. And realistically, you need a bit, you need a bit of both. Um, which thankfully, for once, it feels like we're getting with something. But that's by the by. Um, in terms of the game that we played earlier in the season, to be honest with you, one of the better sides we came up against. Um, I thought you played quite well in the night, mixed with us playing a little bit poorly. Drew two two. Lund obviously scored twice. Um, 
but if memory serves me right, you, you know, you, you played quite well. But was that one of your better performances of the season or am I being um, too complimentary there? No, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's up there. Um, we've had a couple of really just, we've had a couple of wins away from home that have just come out of nowhere where we just battered teams when everything sort of clicked. We won 4 0 at Plymouth uh, and 5 0 at Wigan. Um, so they're obviously they're the two that stand out. And it's crazy that it's crazy to even think that the, the team that played in those two games is the team that's now second bottom of the league. It, but... just, it just feels like that's League One, though, doesn't it? Sometimes, like, and we got beat 1 0 at home off Wigan, like, yeah, and had one shot on target. And it's just like, I think there'll be a lot of people find, I think, Sunderland fans a little bit arrogant for saying it, but I think a lot of club fans say it. This league is so shit. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's awful. Anyone anyone can be anyone. And it's like, that's why it feels like from a Sunderland perspective, it's there for the take. And it's probably why it's so frustrating for you because you know that you could win five off the bounce, no problem, or lose 15 on the bounce at the same time. (laughs) It's like, such such as their performance. But you did play well that night. I mean, um, was that more what, when Brian Barry Murphy's team plays what he wants to play when it comes off, is that more what... The Rochdale, like you've seen, that is actually quite a positive, progressive Rochdale. Then, I think that night was was one of the few occasions where we actually tr- like tried to mix it up a little bit. I think we were a little bit deeper in midfield. We weren't quite as sort of slow in in progressing from defence into midfield with the ball. Um, w- one of the things that really frustrates me when we're sort of trying to pass it out from the back is that we will we will never ever play like a first time ball over the top, but because we get pressurised and because we're not good enough to play it out, after four or five passes, we're pressurised into booting a ball over the top anyway. And I think against Sunderland, what we tried to do is, instead of playing those three or four balls until we were pressurised, we looked for that ball into Morley or into London midfield straight away. And when we do that, we're a better side. And and to be fair, we've done it a few times tonight against Hull. Before they scored, we Osho was bringing the ball out from the back and, and finding the passes into Shaughnessy and Morley. And we were sort of playing through the lines um, and when we do that, we're a good side. We're a decent side in League One. We can beat teams. We can batter teams, as we've shown. Um, and when we do it, yeah, it, it's effective. The issue is that we don't do it anywhere near often enough. And and I think it is now it's at a point where um, it's mentality as much as it is actual quality. Uh, and the mentality is, in most games, to, to, to keep hold of the ball for as long as possible and never to sort of play that risky pass. But you never win a game if you don't play a risky pass. You'll never score a goal. You'll never get an assist. You know, it's one of those things. So, um, yeah, I think I, I think all the games against Sunderland at home actually we've done that quite well. We've kind of adapted our adapted our our um, philosophy a little bit and almost come away with something. I think that was the first time we got a point. But I think the other two games we lost two one, and, and both occasions I, I felt we were quite unfortunate. And then on the occasions where we got up to the stadium, like we've kind of been same old Dale really. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like Rochdale away is a, a very different game to to Rochdale at home. Um, Rochdale at home, I think, if memory serves me right, has been 4-1, 4-0 at half-time or 3-0 at half-time and then 3-0 at half-time again. But then the away games, everyone remembers, or every Sunderland fan will remember the Honeyman game when we thought, you know, we, that was it and it wasn't. But... You know, he took the lead, I think, that day. We had to come back into it. I think Charlie White actually has quite a knack of scoring down at Rochdale, which, to be honest, before the season, he didn't really have much of a knack of scoring at all. Um, but he seemed to sort of find his way, which wonderfully brings me on to the next question and, and probably one of my favourite questions to ask. Um, Sunderland have hit form. Like, I'm not going to deny it. I'm 
a little bit negative with Sunderland sometimes, but we do look decent. We're winning games ugly. We're winning games comprehensively as well. But we've won four and five. Um, one that we haven't won being the crew game where we scored too late, sort of screamers out of nowhere. So there's, there's definitely a character there with it as well. Um, which Sunderland players concern you most? Uh, Wikes definitely. Um, every single every single target man in the league we struggle against. We struggle against the bad ones. John Akindi scored three goals against us this season. So I mean, Charlie Wyke is straight away. You're looking at the team and thinking, well, I'm not looking forward to our defenders having to try and deal with him in the form that he's in at the moment. It's been that's been the case for years. Literally, I think every target man in the league must absolutely love playing against Dale because you just know that they're going to get chances in the air. We can't deal with crosses. We can't deal with set pieces. Been the same story for so long. So, yeah, Charlie White, definitely. Aidan McGeady is the obvious one still because um, he can put those balls in. I remember that game last season, at the start of last season at, at Spotland. Um, Luke Matheson played for us at right back. He's obviously since gone on to Wolves and, and he had an absolutely brilliant game. I think it was the first game that we sort of looked at him and said, yeah, this this kid's got something really special. And then if you look at the highlights, both goals came from McGeady playing down his side, which kind of shows like that quality that he has to just produce that moment out of nowhere. Um, so, yeah, obviously, they're, they're the two in form. They're the two that you look at the team and think, yeah, I, I really worry about our defenders going up against them. I, I was touched on it before as well. We, we struggle for full-backs. We don't have many in the squad. Um, Ryan McLaughlin has played about three games on the bounce now, which um, is very rare for him with his injury record. So I wouldn't be surprised if he misses out. And if that's the case, then we're likely to have a centre-back at right-back and, and a winger at left-back because we don't have any other sort of uh, natural full-backs in the squad. We've got three full-backs. One of them is McLaughlin. The other two are um, midfielders, naturally, who've sort of been moved there because we've got no, nothing else. So, yeah, any any wide players, any target men, we're going to struggle against and it looks like Sutherland have the best best one of each of those in the league at the moment. So that should be fun. It's funny you, you mentioned the uh, the Luke Matheson situation. I remember that. And I remember your, your media guy. I'm sure he tweeted, bless him, about how well he's played. And obviously... You know, as a media person, you want to make sure that you're picking up a young kid who's 17. And if I remember right, he did have a good game. He did, he did play well. But I think he tweeted something like he had McGeady, a 34-year-old Champions League, former Champions League winger, Aidan McGeady in his back pocket. And I could be wrong with that, so forgive me. But I'm I'm pretty sure the replies were all like, hang on. He had a hand <laughs> in both goals here. But obviously, Matheson was one of the players that went to, he went to Wolves and he got him on loan, I think, for the second half of the season. But he's gone to Ipswich, hasn't he? He's gone to Ipswich alone. Yeah. Are you a bit, a bit upset about that? Yeah, I would have liked to have seen him back. I think the left side was the, the issue more. We were, I mean, you'll still see it now, every every Dale tweet, um, when we, we've, because we've hired a few, sort of, we've made a few off-field appointments recently in the boardroom and, and um, in the backroom staff and every single one, the replies to the tweeter, can they play left-back? Because we still don't have a left-back in the squad. Um, so I think, I think what we were, I think my, my perspective of it when he signed for Ipswich was, I would have liked him, but it's okay if we get a left-back and then we didn't get a left-back and then you're thinking, well, if we have signed him, then Keoghan could have played left-back instead of right-back and, and things like that. So, yeah, I would have liked to have seen him back. I think he's going to have a great career. There's a few Dale fans who think maybe he's going to be a little bit too lightweight to make it at the top because he is very, very small. But I think he's got pace. He's got a brilliant cross on him. He can score goals from fullback. Um, he can beat players. He can defend. He's, he's imp- he improved massively as a defender. 
and, and he had these sort of when he struggled there were big moments he gave penalties away a few times and and against the best best wingers in the league the more experienced ones like Magidi there were goals scored down his side but he, he was definitely progressing as a defender and I think he'll have a really good career um, but not every Dale fan sort of shares that view and some think that we did well in getting the money that we got for him I think we could have got far more but that's a that's a that's the story of our transfer business my whole Dale supporting life to be honest some of the players we've let go Grant Holt for 300 grand Glenn Murray for 300 grand Ricky Lambert for 200 grand um, Craig Dawson for 700 grand like it's just been the way but I suppose on the other hand those those sort of transfer fees keep the club alive so but you'd hope to get more for players you'd hope to get what they're worth and I think uh, Matheson will be one that in a few years will look back and say that the money we got for him which was it was undisclosed but a million is the is the rumour I think in a few years we'll be saying oh, we should have got far more than that like we have done for pretty much every player we've sold for the last few years especially in today's market it's like I remember thinking we did really well to get 16 million for Jordan Henderson <laughs> yeah wow. worth a little bit more than that I suppose no. <laughs> and, and he's like 10 years later as well yeah so yeah I think he might be worth a tad more than that maybe um in terms of players that you know we spoke a lot about the way you're struggling and I think it would be probably what I would expect based on your form and the position in the league and so on and so forth. And we spoke about McShane and how important he is, but, you know, teams do sometimes upset the upper cart. I hope they don't, because obviously that would affect my team. Um, but if they, if you were to accept, upset the apple cart on Saturday, who are the players that are most likely to to call through for you and, and do a job and, you know, on top form, who should we basically watch out for? Uh, yeah, Humphreys, who I mentioned earlier, is kind of the star man up front. Uh, he's in terrible form at the minute, but he's just got no support because he's got form uh, against Beasley's us. Out. He's got form against us. He scored for South End, I think. Ah, the last game of the season, yeah. Yeah, former Fulham striker, I believe. I always remember him yeah. because he wore that mask. I think he had like a facial injury. That's right. Yeah. Anyone who watches Netflix will will remember his goal. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we had him on loan a few years ago, and he actually scored at Wembley for us against Tottenham in the FA Cup. So. So did. Him coming back was him coming back was like quite exciting, and we've seen sort of moments from him to say, yeah, he's going to be a really good player, but just not in this team, unfortunately. He, he, there's been flashes where we've been in form, he's been in form. Like I say, I think he can score all types of goals. He's strong in the air. He scored two absolutely stunning free kicks, including one at Charlton that was absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, he's struggling for form at the minute. If he turns it on, he'll be he'll be the one to watch. Quadro Bar is another one, uh, nearly signed for. Man City on deadline day in January. Uh, that's, it looks like that's fallen through now, but he's got a massive future in the game. He's very, very raw, but when he gets going, he is absolutely rapid, so much skill, uh, and got a lethal finish on him as well. He scored, he scored three goals this season, but all three of them were absolute crackers. Uh, two of them in that Charlton game that Humphrey scored a free kick in, actually. So, uh, yeah, if he's on his game, then he, he'll be a threat. He always is. Uh, when he's on his game, it's just that... It, 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 he's very young, very raw, so it doesn't always happen. Um, Humphreys would be the other one. And then Alex Newby, on his day, looks like a player who can who can create something. I think he got he might have got both the assists for Lund's goals in the in the in the reverse fixture. Um he's not got loads of pace, but he, he's a bag of tricks and he, he he'll never sort of knock it and run past the player, but you'll see him sort of twist and turn his his way away from uh, away from a few of them. So I think they're, they're they'll probably be the front three. 
And if we're to stand any chance of getting anything because our defensive record is so poor, you'd uh, you'd expect those three to have to do something pretty special, to be honest. So I've got two questions for you. Now, before I ask you for your prediction, which is always my notorious final question, because unbeknown to the listeners, you used to live in Sunderland. So yeah. the the penultimate, the, the the second last question, um, what's your favourite club in Sunderland or your favourite pub? Four. Um, big fan of independent. Can't yes. be, can't be, can't be the top floor in independent. Absolutely. Uh, I used to, like, I used to like the old one more. I'm not gonna lie, because I've been back up. I went back up for the weekend when we played you the first time when you came down. Went to the new one. I was like, yeah, it's all right, but it, nothing beats, nothing beats the old independent. Um, where else was there? Uh, I spent a lot of time in the Lambton Worm as well. To be fair, because. Spoons cheap, student like it's gonna happen. Great, um, yeah. And basement was the was the student one at the time. Um, and then before that, what was it called? Was it privilege? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a big fan of privilege in first year, but I think they knocked it down. And I, I seem to remember as I like, walk into uni on the first day of our second year of uni, and um, I was seeing it knocked down on us all just standing there and having like a minute silence for privilege. So lots of unreal memories from Sunderland. Brilliant memories of privilege that I can't can't say on a recorded podcast. But yes, <laughs> I understand why it may have been knocked down absolutely. And I think like, <laughs> I mean, changed its name actually, come to think of it. And sadly, none of us can actually go to any of them. Obviously, I live in Glasgow, you're living in Salford at the moment, but Hopefully in 2029, the pubs will reopen again. <laughs> we remember what they are um, and we can get back to them. But final question as always, what's your what's your score prediction for Saturday? I'm going to be positive and say we'll only lose 2-0. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like the most Sunderland answer ever for a whatever event. Um, I think I'll go with I think I'll go with 3-0 Sunderland because we're on form. Sometimes we do blow teams away. Few and far between. I feel like Saturday might be one of them, but but Dean, good crack as always, mate. Thanks for popping on. Um, I'm sorry it's been so depressing speaking about your football club, but I know how it feels, and I'm, oh, it always is. <laughs> I, I know you know that I know that, so um, I appreciate it, mate. But I hope you hope you enjoyed yourself as well. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, Graham, uh, and good luck to Sunderland for the rest of the season after Saturday, obviously. Of course, of course, after Saturday, similar watch Thanks, mate. <laughs>